So like I'm a cis male opposed to like, I'm a man, uh, but no one seems to care <laughs> that I just want to identify as a man. Again, that, that would be the extreme, right? Like the, the extreme wants to say that I'm a cis male and I'm like, but that's not what I identify as. Welcome once again to the Launchpad Podcast. My name is J-Man, and this is a platform for free speech and a place for people to speak freely. I've been waiting to have this conversation for quite some time. I'd like to introduce you to my friend, human being, also a transgender female. Casey, thank you so much for being on the program and having this conversation with me. You bet. It's nice to be here. Right. So I'm going to ask you a whole bunch of questions that I've never asked you. So you've been in my friend sphere for about five years. We've maybe only met two or three times, though. I would think something like that. Yeah. Okay. So we had a brief conversation about having this conversation. And outside of that, we have not spoken of any of this kind of stuff. So this is just going to come out raw. I plan for it to be unedited and just completely transparent. Sounds good to me. Okay, you can't wait. All right, so tell me a little bit more about you. At what age did you think that you were different than what you were being told or what you were supposed to be? Uh, I knew as a young child, I didn't feel right where I was as mm -hmm. far as how I presented, how I was in represented. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't learn about being transgender or know that such a thing existed until 2004 when I moved from Bushtown, Northern BC to big city, Edmonton, Alberta. Okay. And I started getting into the pride community and started seeing some psychologists. And in that process, I started to learn and realize that how I'd felt most of my life may have had some existence or some opportunity to find some happiness within. Mm -hmm. So that's where that went. Um, I transitioned legally in 2015 of October. Mm -hmm. By January of 16, I had all of my documents and identifications changed over. Mm -hmm. And I went for my bottom surgery in 2018. Okay. So have since just been me along the road from that point. Okay. So when you say bottom surgery, just explain that. Because some people might not even know, like top surgery, bottom surgery, I know, but for somebody else listening. Okay. So bottom surgery is what they call gender reassignment surgery mm -hmm. or a vaginoplasty. Um, top surgery is usually... Um, a mastectomy, which is removal of the breasts. Obviously, mm -hmm. I didn't go that direction. So that was not something I had to do. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, yeah, that's where that's at. Okay. And so, yeah, let's see. Casey, okay, so yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I had all the questions before. And you know what? When I was originally thinking about doing this podcast, it was going to be a panel and I was looking for a lot of people on the left and I was looking to have some female guests. And then we, we got in this conversation and you had spoken to me of this 
documentary by Matt Walsh, who is someone that is seen politically as being on the right. And you asked me if I had seen that documentary. And I'm like, shit, this is a trick question. I don't know. I don't know how to answer this, but I'm like, yeah, I, I have seen almost all of it. I've seen bits and pieces on YouTube, etc. Now, this was a documentary that you did like, like you were into what he was saying because you're not so much into the far left politics of being a transgender? Um, there was definitely aspects of it um, relating to questions that definitely need some conversation in our society. Um, as an individual, his approach was a lot of his interviewees were very left-wing or mm -hmm. morally left-wing mm -hmm. with their ideals. And because of that, his very good questions got a lot of demonstration. Um, the couple people that were middle of the field to right-wing with some common sense of his questioning still played into a lot of the poor me, poor me role, mm -hmm. or they played into that I'm certified, I'm qualified gender specialist reality Right. that has its own level of created ideal to it. So let me ask you this, and this is something we just briefly discussed before, is that we have people that speak on behalf of transgender and there's a wide spectrum. And let's just talk about uh, what would be the, the far left or the extreme left. Uh, and unfortunately, what happens, I find, this is just from my observation, is that they tend to get the limelight. They're the ones that have the microphones and the TV time. Uh, and then they kind of speak for the community as a whole. Uh, and- Wheel gets the grease. Right, but that doesn't necessarily reflect the views. And I've spent so much time trying to find an expert to speak on this, but I find, you know, you speak to uh, an expert that's on the right or you speak to an expert on the left, opposed to why not just have a conversation with someone that is living this right now? And what does it feel for you right now when it seems like uh, pride, transgenderism is kind of like at an all-time high and, and there's so many eyes on it right now? What does it feel like to be a transgender, let's say in today's society, opposed to what it was like maybe 10 years ago or 15 years ago where people just didn't really know what was going on? Um, I think there's a lot more eyes on the ideal and the reality of it. I also believe that within the work that I've done within the community with Big Brothers and Sisters and the Pride Center, and a program for a trans youth mentoring program that I helped work on. Um, I have found that instead of teaching people that we can be masculine effeminate or feminine emasculate, which would be a man that likes to be feminine mm -hmm. or a woman that likes to be masculine, which relates to a tomboy for the last thousand years of history in sense, Instead of teaching people that we can be that way, we do tend to lean a lot more to the fact that, 
oh, you have these feelings, you have these emotions, you have these concerns, you must be transgender, here's what we can do for you. And what it's doing is creating a lot of false identity Mm. and a lot of confused identity. And to me, that speaks very highly of the suicide rate that exists within our community. Um, I personally know a lot of people that have been through that suicide path, many of them post-op, which is after surgery, because that was kind of their last hope to fit in, to exist as they feel they are, and it didn't work. And part of that in my opinion, is because the community is not being held accountable to doing the trauma recovery or the cutting of those traumas and ties to do the healing before things progress. And the medical sector within the psychological side of it is not doing their job adequately enough because their protocols are being done by people that don't have a clue or they're being put together by some medical professional that thinks they've read enough books to understand who we are. And it is inadequate, it is unethical, and it is not being managed correctly or kept track of correctly. Right, now where you say what it feels like to be us, but just like people's politics, how you feel as a transgender might be a little bit different than someone else. Uh, that is a transgender. So like when it comes to children um, and puberty blockers and things of that nature, uh, I I have a hard time grasping that. Uh, and at, at the same time, though, I realize that, well, number one, I don't have children. <laughs> so scoot that out of the way. Uh, and then number two, you know, someone that does have a child they love their kid much more than I ever could. And I can't imagine that any parent would want to put a a child in harm's way. So for you, you have a couple of kids. I have four boys. Okay. You have four boys. Between the ages of seven and 14. Okay. And so let's say in, in my world, maybe, you know, my child's like, you know, oh, I want to play with dresses, you know, and, and girls toys uh, I think I'm a girl and I'm like, you know what? You just need more Tonka trucks. Maybe that's <laughs> where, right? Well, would... I can, I can speak to that because right. when I started through my journey, my second oldest actually was going through a lot of space with my journey mm-hmm. and was finding a lot of anger, a lot of aggression. So when I was able to sit down and navigate some of that with him, Part of what we discovered was he wanted to be like me Mm. because he was a very close child to me. So in that process, instead of allowing him to go out and advertise to the world that I'm transgender, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that, I'm going to go this route, whatever. I actually went out and bought him several dresses and made some rules and boundaries that allowed him to wear that and be that person that he felt fit there somewhere within the home. Mm. Because I didn't want him to, if this was an exploratory stage for him to go out in public and cause a whole bunch of problems for himself 
and have people judge him and bully him and play games that didn't need to happen. That lasted about a month and a half Mm. on random sporadic occasions that he ran around the house in dresses and grew out of it. Didn't care, wasn't of interest, it wasn't his thing. I obviously kept that conversation alive with him, speaking about his feelings, about his emotions in that process. And between his brothers and his friends, he was like, no, I'm done with this. This is not what I thought it was. So how how do you feel then about media? Like there is this mixed bag on media. Like, well, it's great. Well, just let me finish my, it's important that I finish my words so I don't get cut off as saying one thing opposed to another is that in media, obviously, there is an awareness that people want to get out there, right? Because I'm sure that if you would have had a little bit more awareness when uh, you were younger, it would have done it would have done some good, right? You would be able to find support a little bit earlier. Now, on the flip side of that, is that there are some people that say that this is somewhat of an indoctrination, right? To where, um, let's say there's a child that's curious, and, and then, you know, luckily that your your children have yourself that is familiar with the, the whole scenario uh but then for let's say parents that aren't as fit or as astute as you in regards to being able to gauge that to where now there's media coming in from the outside maybe reinforcing the fact that a child is feeling a certain way when maybe they just they don't do you understand that like more of the environment around them outside of the home i i definitely believe there's a large component of coaching that is creating some of this confusion. Mm -hmm. So children are obviously very astute to the things around them, to what they're taught, what they see, what they are allowed to be part of. Mm -hmm. So in that process, if we have a child come to us and says, oh, I wanna be a girl because all of their friends are girls, all of their cousins are girls, and they're like, oh, I just fit in here, I wanna be a girl. Okay, I would disagree with that on most occasions. Children definitely fit in where they feel comfortable to fit in. They also learn a lot about their personality and their character within those worlds that they're fitting into. So by us, in a sense, manipulating some of those young minds to allow them to go those roads without proper support and proper discussion with the right people. Right. Um, to so, just let me differentiate jump in there, Casey. those genders. What's so do, that? do you think that media then just has a little bit greater of a responsibility to make sure that the message that they're putting out there is maybe a little bit more specific or do you know what I mean? Like it's kind of a, a blanket thing opposed. Do, do you think it's, do you think there's a, like a little bit of a flagrant disregard that we're, we're putting it out there and yes, we want to raise awareness, but not thinking about that flip side. I think most general mainstream media goes where the most attention is going to get had. Mm. Okay. So if they can get the most attention by creating drama or creating negative approach to things like most of our mainstream news, 
that's where they're going to go because that's where they're going to get the most funding. That's where they're going to get the most budget from the numbers. That's where they're going to get all of their coverage from. And it seems that in our society, the more people that we can get offended because they need a reason to be offended, the more coverage they're going to get. So the transgender topic, especially with children, um, which from a medical perspective, with the research that I've done, along with what I've gone through myself, um, that negative connotation is the easiest route to go. And obviously, the first person that gets heard is the first person that screams. And then people have that belief because that was the first one they heard. And to me, that's very detrimental to the children going through this process. And within the program that I worked in, I found that a lot of kids, by the time they hit puberty, were no longer feeling the way that they were feeling or were a lot more of the aspect of what they were born as identifying at birth, they were a lot more in that direction by the time they were getting through puberty. Okay. So do you think that these, these blockers uh, have a place? Are they puberty blockers or hormone blockers? Or do you think those have, do you think those have a place? Like there are some cases to where obviously this, this child, right, is falls within that spectrum to where they have a very strong identity and it is not uh, their biological sex. So medically, the human body or male or female or something indifferent scientifically on general spectrum is built a certain way and is designed to grow through certain stages of life to develop proper bone structure, proper brain structure, proper muscle structure, um, proper thinking concepts, things like that. In my opinion and my research, the blockers that we tend to focus on in Canada are finasteride and spironolactone. Both of those testosterone blockers, because I'm speaking from the male to female direction, because that's what I know the most of, are not only testosterone blockers, they are DHT hormone blockers. They block human growth hormone to a degree. They play a part in multiple other things and were created as a heart medication for heart attack stroke victims. So they also work as a degree of a blood thinner. So these simple basic things that people can go research are causing problems in our children. We do not have the studies to know if osteoporosis is going to become an issue. We do not have the studies to know what long-term ramifications to other developmental structures within the body are going to be detrimented by these medications at that age. My experience, along with several friends that I've been very close with this process with, also found that with spironolactone specifically, the mental health aspect tanked hard. Mm. 
It was a very negative mental health um, side effect with spironolactone. So to suggest, and obviously we're both not doctors and this is not medical advice, is that maybe part of the psychological issues that people are having that are transgender may be even connected to the fact that they're using these blockers that otherwise that if they were nurtured properly, maybe without the drugs, and then having to just, it would be more difficult for the body to transition later on. That's why we're doing this, right? Is that we're using these blockers. So if they do decide to make that transition, it's not going to be as much of a reversal effect. A reversal effect. Absolutely. Okay. But and that's a good thing or a bad thing? This is a good I thing. I think it's a bad thing. It's a bad thing. I think thing. it's a terrible thing. Right. And within the side effects and the basic, the sheet that you get with those medications, if you read on it, mm-hmm. it tells you that the side effects long-term are irreversible as far as sterilization, as far as... Um, shrinkage to the male components of the sexual components that stuff is right there in the slip that comes with the medication the development of breast tissue because of something called gynomastia is a side effect of spironolactone which is not necessarily a bad thing because within our process as a trans female we want to go that direction so that is there as well but once you develop tissue that way, it doesn't go away. Right. It doesn't reverse in eight months or two years. It, it's just not gone, which means you have long-term standing side effects if you change your mind when you hit 14 because you started it at eight years old. Gotcha. Okay. Now, I'm going to transition. See what I did there uh, from that topic? <laughs> Thank you. Um, to pronouns. Uh, And this is something that I've been fascinated with um, for, for a while now. And I can feel two ways about it. I understand that it's very important for people to have their identity, right? Like a person's identity is very important to them. And just because I think there's a certain terminology that is Silly doesn't make it any less true for that person. And I would want to be respected as such with my own ideals as well. Now, I've heard these terms like a a cis male. I just found this out. So a cis male means a man, right? Like biologically born and identifies as a man. Yes. Okay. I would just say that's a man, (laughs) right? Like that was a man before, like before a pronoun, it was just, it was a man. Uh, Now, okay. It does make sense to me. Now. You are a, a trans, a transgender female, but you were, you were born male. Now I've heard this said many, many times in this situation and things get explosive. We're like, <laughs> this sounds, I don't know. Just bear with me here. You were born a male. Like, so do you, you don't identify anymore as being biologically a male, but are you biologically a male? In a hundred years from now, when they dig up my bones and I'm laying on a steel slab, they are going to say, wow, we found the bones of a male individual. Okay. I cannot change that. That is not scientifically adjustable at this point in our science world. Mm-hmm. Um, so realistically, genetically, chemistry-based, 
I will always be a male or masculine based body components. Okay. Um, I have grown breasts. I have done that bottom surgery and now have a vagina. That doesn't change that scientifically, I will always be a man. I represent as a woman, as a female, as a she, her identifier. That is a representation of how I identify and represent in a physical and emotional form. Right. And I believe, Cannot, well, sorry, and I shouldn't even say like, I believe, and that should be respected. Right. This, I would like to think so. Yeah. I, and I, I find it hard to understand why, why people wouldn't. But again, you know what we're talking about, like that far right and that far left. I, I believe that most people can understand and respect this concept. Uh, for instance, uh, do you mind me asking? I don't know if this is like asking someone <laughs> what they went to jail for. <laughs> do you mind me asking what your name was before Casey? My name was Keith before Casey. Okay. So um, if you were to be Keith, before your surgeries and before the transitions and then you're just telling me like hey listen jay i would like to be addressed as casey i'm transitioning to be a female i'd respect that without question i think the vast majority of people would respect that i mean did you find through your own transition that um people would give you a hard time with that number one and then number two when was the last time you referred to yourself, you referred to the name Keith. Because <laughs> that probably doesn't happen um, a whole bunch. Well, October 18th of 2015. Okay. I did an overnight transition. I did not go back and forth from him to her from Thursday to Friday to Saturday to Monday. Mm -hmm. I went from him to her on a Sunday afternoon, publicly on Facebook, phoned all of my family and said, I'm no longer doing this. I had previously gone out, you know, here and there to live as Casey within my private circles, within my weekend circles. But I did not at work. I did not at those things. So October 18th, I did a 180 degree swap in my life and never looked back. Mm. Because of that, I didn't confuse people. I didn't play, oh, a blue bracelet today and a pink bracelet tomorrow that people had to be aware of whether I was she or him. So a lot of my world, outside of the fact that I learned I had a very good relationship with a lot of my inner circles, I don't recognize losing any friends or family in my journey. And I was respected because I did that overnight flip and didn't confuse people with being Joe today and Joanne tomorrow. So in that process, a lot of the complication was removed with the pronouns for me because it was just like, I am she and her, I am Casey, that's it. There was no waffling back and forth, making people guess or figure out if I was feminine or masculine one day or the other. I just went feminine and I was done. So it was a lot easier for people to adjust for with me with the pronouns. 
because all they had to do was look at the feminine and say, okay, Casey is a girl. This is where we're going. We love her. We can respect this. Done. Okay. Of course, the people that were in my life for a long time before, they made the errors of saying, oh, him, or using my old name out of mistake. But they often corrected themselves or they apologized, which is fine because when you take somebody that's known you for 30 years and you suddenly give them a different name and a different pronoun, the function is not going to flip like a switch. Mm-hmm. And the reality is you can line 20 people up, turn your back to them. They can all read the same sentence and the brain is going to correlate tone, intention, influx of voice, and it is going to naturally tell you what gender that person is without even looking at them because of the voice. So until an individual changes that voice, there's also that aspect that people's brains correlate with what's coming out of their mouth to just hear the voice that's talking to them. And, oh, I'm sorry, my bad. So Casey, what would be to you uh, from the circle that you have and that community, like some of the more hurtful things that people maybe say or do, maybe not even knowing it. I'm sure there's the person that goes out there to to spite you and to be to be horrible and mean and cutting. <laughs> and at the end of the day, like we're all human beings on this planet. I don't care what someone wants to identify with. I want to have a good relationship with people. I want to have fruitful, loving, abundant relationships. And again, thank you so much for doing this with me. Uh, but some of the things that that you consider to be cutting that other people maybe don't necessarily see as being as cutting. Um. With a lot of that stuff, I had more problems trying to get friends to not get defensive on my behalf Mm. because I didn't take that aggressive, abrasive, rude approach to people that wanted to be rude or ignorant. Most of the ignorance I encountered was due to lack of information and education, as well as the whole stigma that, oh, here we go again. Another one of these people. So through my journey and before my journey, I spent a lot of time doing personal research, doing personal growth stuff, doing a lot of counseling and working through a lot of baggage and trauma and feelings and a lot of uh, self understanding of me. So my mental health is really strong compared to, I guess, a lot of people. So when I encountered a lot of those ignorant situations, I'll but what, say- But what would that be? I'm, I'm, I'm looking for something specific that people might be doing without even necessarily realizing that it's something that is not just insensitive, but would hurt the average individual. I understand that you're stoic um, and you're strong, but is there something out there that people are still doing or saying today that just, you know, it's, you wish you could just erase it. Well, some of the things that I still hear from time to time is things like, oh, there's a tranny. Oh, they're just a dude in a dress mm-hmm. or, you know, comments like that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time that I hear those comments, 
when I started my journey, I had a lot of people that used those comments that had those mentalities actually private message me wanting to connect behind closed doors to fulfill a fetish or a fantasy of that tranny fantasy that's pornographic that I was like, okay, you're just scared to come out of the closet and you're scared of yourself and you're using these words and these connotations to address me because of where you stand out of your own insecurities, whether that's everybody's situation or whether that's the ones I found, that's where I played into a lot of that stuff. So to me, it was like, you're just not a good person. You're insecure and broken and you're taking it out on me. Okay. I'm just going to go over here and you do your thing. All right. When you're done and want to have a sensible conversation and maybe inform yourself, I'm willing to have a conversation with you outside of that stay out of my way or we're going to have more of an aggressive problem. <laughs> and most people backed off, right? especially those that knew me mm-hmm. because I came from a background that could look after itself. Don't fuck with Casey. So <laughs> Casey, uh, let's, let's talk about a couple of other things here. Um, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up and let's just try some hot button topics uh, like transgender in sports, right? Now, I'm oh, from the camp of, I don't know what to do with this situation. Like, I I believe I could be wrong, but you don't even have to necessarily have the surgery to be like uh, a biological male, right? Trans, oh, this is where I, <laughs> I lose it. I'll try to say this right. I, I mean, no disrespect, but um, we'll just say that that swimmer, uh, who was born a male, I believe, like, I don't know if he just tucks it somewhere and then says, like, you know, I am now, I identify as a female and now swims against biological females. And naturally, you know, she crushes the field. And not a lot of people want to speak up. And and I, I kind of understand it in something that you had said to me before we started recording. Like some people say that you're transphobic with some of your views. Like, how can you be transphobic when you're a trans yourself? So like, what what's going on here? I can only imagine if I had a daughter or a son and I saw, well, I saw this kind of happening. Naturally, my, my knee-jerk response, Casey, is, okay, we... We can't let that happen in some sports where it is without question uh, an advantage with bone density, things of that nature. But even in MMA, like I'm going to play devil's advocate here, where there was uh, a male that transitioned to female, something Fox, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and she crushed her competition the first two fights, but she did lose to a biological female down the road. Like, where do we find this balance here to where I'm going to assume there's not enough transgender for, let's say, a transgender Olympics. And I don't know if that's an asshole thing to say, uh, but where do you stand on it? Myself, I don't agree with most of it, and I'll explain why. So a cisgender woman... Abhorrent. carries more testosterone. <laughs> okay, sorry. A, 
a, a born female that identifies as female. We have to do this because people are going to get confused. Yes. Okay. A genetically identified born female carries more testosterone than I do. I am seven years, eight years into my journey hormonally. Okay. So th those women carry more testosterone than I do, which allows them to build stronger muscle, which allows them faster muscle recovery. On the other hand, being that I was born genetically a male, my lung capacity, and I found this out through my specialist when I was doing some tests, I hold a 30% larger lung capacity than those born cisgender identifying women born as. Okay. So there's a little bit of that back and forth that has an advantage and a disadvantage. At the other side, I have a heavier bone structure. I do carry more muscle mass on average from the beginning that I have lost a lot of through hormone therapy, but still carry on average more muscle mass than the average genetically born woman. But hormonally, that recovery and that ability to build the muscle for that cisgender woman is stronger. But if we're talking about that athlete, Leah, the swimmer, when you look at the lineup of competitors, they were an average of a foot taller than all of the other women. They had a longer bottom section of their body, longer legs instead of a longer torso, which differentiates typically between male and female. They hit the water almost a length ahead of the women that were born cisgender women. Okay. By the time they exited the water, they were two lengths ahead of the rest of the women. Their stroke and their endurance allowed them to supersede any woman in the pack by multiple lengths. So you're taking that athlete who's in the bottom 10 percentile of their sport as a male and are now the top one or two in their sport as a female. Right. But yet people want to debate whether there's a functional advantage there or not. Like there is no comparison. Uh, like I agree here because the proof is in the pudding. It's not that I don't want to see everyone compete as they believe they should, right? But we've seen it in weightlifting. It's just, it's a demolish session. Uh, we've seen this in swimming. We have seen this even in high schools where I believe now they've kind of reversed it. I don't think uh, transgender athletes can compete right now in the states in the high school level I, i'm just i'm blowing it out my ass right now uh but i know that there's obviously uh, some areas to where they've tried to take preventative measures and areas where they've kind of let it run free this most definitely seems to be falling into the political spectrum as well uh but every time i see it like maybe there are some that obviously aren't as good athletes that are transgender that maybe just kind of get lost in the mix but when we're talking about the the apex athlete right when it comes to the best of the best uh that when they rise to the top there's absolutely no competition that we've seen thus far and we've seen female athletes come out 
and say this as well. I believe it was Serena Williams that said, you know, you could put me against some college pros that would, you know, whoop me uh, because I just don't have the strength that they do, uh, the agility that they do, and, uh, you know, all the, the biometrics and things of that nature that go into play. Uh, yeah. So I don't know why we're still having this conversation. And again, I think this kind of relates back to when we were talking earlier. I think for the most part, people in general would like to find a solution to this. And then there's the extremes that are just turning it into uh, a much more controversial issue than it needs to be. And I've, I have faltered there, Casey, uh, for whatever I reason. Big, I ahead. think a big reason this issue is in the limelight right. is not because it has common sense to it, not because it has any science behind it, but because it has people's hurt feelings and offense behind it. Mm. And it's getting the attention because enough people have screamed and hollered that I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. And now you're being racist. Now you're being homophobic. Now you're being transphobic. Now you're being blah, blah, blah. So people have given up. Right. I do not, in my opinion, feel that it's fair. I myself used to be an athlete and I would never attempt to compete or compare myself to women athletes um, at that time or now even, because even a lot of my girlfriends do not have the strength even after seven years of hormone therapy. And I am post-op that I do not have the testicles. They do not have the recovery or the strength that I do or the mass to do some things that I do. So there is no comparison. Right. And what do you think in regards to like a solution? What would be a potential solution? Just have to wait until there's enough or just a smaller scale to do something kind of on their own? Or do we continue to try to find a way to integrate this into the, the male sport that we have or female I sport? I don't know if there is a solution. One way or the other, some side is going to be offended. Whether I say we need a specific sports separation for transgender athletes, or whether we say, no, trans athletes cannot compete in their identifying as sports. One way or another, we're going to pick on somebody's, you know, activist side. Yeah. And somebody's going to scream and holler. I don't know if there is a way to fix it or to come to a fair arrangement. Okay. Now I'm going to end on this one. And I kind of got lost in it before when we were talking about the pronouns. So like I'm a cis male opposed to like, I'm a man, uh, but no one seems to care <laughs> that I just want to identify as a man. Again, that, that would be the extreme, right? Like the, the extreme wants to say that I'm a cis male and I'm like, but that's not what I identify as and nor have I my entire life so why is there someone speaking on the behalf of males as to what they identify <laughs> or females and what they identify as and uh, again I will stress I understand the importance of identity okay so this is not to knock anyone now I saw the most recent uh, pride flag which I'll probably use as a thumbnail for this for this video and there are so many colors on there. And now there's 
triangles and arrows and I don't I don't know what they all are and I know that there's a lot of education and sometimes I think that you know we're going so fast with all this kind of stuff is like people are still trying to learn the fundamentals and we're already on this rocket ship of this new flag and what that means I have an idea I also think on the flip side is as important as these identities are and I'm going to assume it's no different than me identifying as being biracial, as someone identifying with their religion. It's very important to them. But what it also does is that it creates more subcategories, more division in some cases. Like it's not just a, a positive. So, and you can speak on this, and I'm sure people are going to have their own opinions, and they're all welcome. Please leave them in the comments. But it's like, um, it, it just used to be like, we're here, we're queer, get over it. Like that was the thing. And I remember being told that queer is the way that they, they wanted to be, well, see, I've, I hate the language that I'm using right now, but how some wanted to be identified as. And I don't know how long ago that was. There's someone bleeding <laughs> through on your screen too, which is great. There's this like pink shirt in the background. Hi, buddy. <laughs> so like okay let me let me jump into this and thank I'll, you I'll save just, me we'll, i'm, we'll I'm drowning it. here thank you so i don't agree with the 32 or 38 letters numbers symbols whatever they don't make sense nobody knows what they are so within when you're talking pronouns i obviously am she her I go by female. Men, women, even if we look at the scientific anomalies like gymeras, intersex, hermaphrodites, I, within my world, have known five of those individuals. They are the scientific evidence that there can be male and female existing together genetically, scientifically existing together. Identifiably, representably, all five of those individuals that I know still identify as he or she, male or female. They do not go back and forth. I'm not saying this is a gender or spectrum. I'm saying this is the five that I've I interacted with. They still pick a gender and an identifier and have gone through the surgeries and processes to be entirely one or the other. Right. So though the, the physical science has given them the opportunity to be of both, they were still mentally, psychologically, sociologically identified one or the other. Okay. I struggle even as a transgender individual with they's, them's, these, z's, zo's. That was the one things. I wanted to say. Yeah, the babies I can't handle. <laughs> I don't myself play those games. Right. If I have an individual that comes to me with those things, I say, okay, what's your name? That's what I'm going to use. Every language in the world, they, them, whatever, is multiple people, which means you're either schizophrenic 
or you have some more work to do to work towards where you feel safe. That's Casey's opinion. That's my opinion. (laughs) That's Casey's opinion. That's not my opinion. So (laughs) the whole representation of being he, him, her, they, these, I don't ultimately care. If you can respect me, I will respect you. If I make an error because you're switching pronouns consistently and you're going to get mad at me because I'm confused and not knowing where you're at from one day to the next, I'm just going to vacate your circle and your life because I don't have time to get screamed at and unvalidated and called homophobic or transphobic because you're confused and you expect other people to know where you're at. Right. I don't work with that and I will not work with that. Right. And Casey, I think I'm going to, I'm going to end it there. And I think it's a a good place to end, not because you're starting to get heated, uh, but because we should just be doing our best to be inclusive, period, regardless of someone's sexual orientation or whatever sex that they identify as. Agreed. Uh, It's just that simple. And I really believe at the end of the day that media really fuels a lot of this division where in, in reality, most people don't have a problem with respecting people's pronouns. And for the most part, I have never met anybody. Like I see people on TikTok with, these pronouns I've never heard of before, but that's not stuff that I'm encountering every day when I just live my life. That the reality yeah. is most people can respect people's boundaries, respect people's individuality, how they want to live, how they identify, and how they want to live out that life. And so, I mean, I obviously, not that anyone needs my validation, but that I support anything that you identify as, I'll call you whatever. Uh, but I'm going to stick with a beautiful human being right now. And Casey, I'm really happy to have you in my life. I know that we don't talk a whole bunch. I don't think this is a conversation that I can have uh, with a lot of people. So thank you for being you. Thank you for being so transparent. And thank you for being inclusive. I know sometimes you have a little bit of a potty mouth and you clean that up for me too. So thank you, Casey, uh, for, for being you. Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. And, you know, hopefully I haven't offended or upset too many people. Right. Um, in relation to that pronoun stuff, most people don't have a problem with that stuff. Right. As long as you're consistent and they can make sense of it. Right. Well, but in the scheme of all that, I appreciate your time and I appreciate, you know, taking my feedback and my side of the story and hopefully somewhere in the next 10 generations, we can find some happiness where people are just people and we can respect you for how your behavior is, is coming out and how you're treating other people and where, you know, instead of what you want to identify or represent as we can look at the person and the behavior that's coming behind it and right. just exist there. Human first or humans first. All right, Casey, again, thank you for your time and thank you for watching. If you like the podcast heck give it a like give me a subscribe and if you disagree like by all means whatever you have to say put in the comments keep it respectful and let's open up a dialogue and who knows maybe this is going to lead to more conversation i'm open to hearing what everybody thinks uh about this topic of conversation and doing it coming from a place of love and abundance and understanding until next time you take care be well and love simply because you can